0: So I turned the car around, went up to about 60 miles an hour and aimed straight off the edge of the road. Now, as as the car was going off, I shut my eyes expecting death and pain. And then as my eyes were shut, suddenly this intense white light filled the car. It was so bright that I could see through my closed eyelids the outline of the car. Wow. And then this, this amazing peace came over me and then I blacked out. When I came to the la- the car had crashed, nosedived onto the floor below and then, la- then landed on its roof. And I, I was completely unhurt. No whiplash, nothing. Not, there wasn't a single scratch on me. Wow. And uh, I got out of the car. Again, I heard the audible voice of God saying, you're not dying, so I've got work for you to do.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. It's great to be back with you for another week. We've got a fantastic guest. And uh, if you're new to Inspired, it's all about bringing in people that have got dynamic stories of faith, of of God at work in their lives. And it's basically to counteract all the grim stuff we've been bombarded with relentlessly. So it's to stir your faith and to leave you encouraged uh, when we finished in about 50-odd minutes' time. So this week, I'm thrilled to have uh, Chris Wickland with us. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Simon. Great to have you, bro. So Chris is Senior Pastor of Living Word Church in Fareham, And I, I only came across Chris recently, and I was sent a prophetic word that he came out with. I think it was the end of July. And Lizzie and I, my wife, were driving up the M5 back from a preaching engagement, and we were listening to it, and it just so deeply chimed with our spirit. And then uh, Joanna Watson, who did a podcast a few weeks ago, she contacted me and said, you've got to get Chris on. He's got an amazing story. So I've, I've already heard your story, Chris, by, by looking at YouTube and doing my research, and it is mind blowing. And guys, just, just uh, put your seat belts on and, and get ready for something that's really going to challenge your, your whole paradigm, your view of reality. Um, so that's teeing you up, Chris. Um, let's go for it. So story, con- your, your context, your childhood, kick us off.
0: Okay, so I was born in 1972, I lived in Scotland at the time. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, he was a submariner, and that was kind of the backdrop that I was b- sort of born into. My parents lived in marriage quarters, and that was kind of like where, where my life started in Scotland, uh, in a place called, well, we moved around a bit, but ultimately we stayed in a place called Ballach, which is near Loch Lomans, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And do you just want me to get straight into the story? Yeah, go for it. Okay, sure. So it, I I guess my childhood was relatively normal, uh, as far as I can remember, till about the age of four. And then I I started, these weird things started happening at night, so in my bedroom, I'd hear this kind of banging noise that would get louder and louder and louder. And then I'd see something slowly moving towards me in the the bedroom, and of course I'd hide under the covers, and then it would go. And um, so I had a lot of things like that happen to me. And then I remember as a child one night, we were driving from someone's house, it was at night, and uh, I remember looking out the car window as we were driving uh, through some country glade, and I could see in the in the I could see the stars up above, but I could sense that there was like one star that was like this orange light in the sky, mm-hmm. and and I knew that it was watching me. Uh, I just all sounds a bit weird, and so that's kind of like how things started out for me as a child, and then things just kind of got worse from that point onward. I'll explain some things, and I'll, I'll piece it all together towards the end. Sure. So I remember one particular night, which um, kind of really changed my life forever, really. As I, was, I was in bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I heard this sound. It sounded like a, the frying of a chip pan, but it was like an electronic sound. Mm-hmm. And it was coming closer and closer to the house, and, and louder and louder. And I remember the windows starting to vibrate. And this noise was so, so scary, again, I was only a child and I was like, I hid under the covers and then I blacked out, that's the last I remember of it, until I was probably about, I think about 10 or 12. Um, And then after that, throughout my childhood, I had lots of uh, experiences with, I guess, what we would call occultic type experiences. Things appearing in in my bedroom, always seeing strange lights and stuff in the sky, being followed around by strange lights and having you know some really nightmarish dreams of these creatures coming and visiting me and and stuff and so that's kind of how my childhood began and of course at a very young age with those kind of experiences psychologically That kind of messed me up so Mm -hmm. when I was at school you know the teachers would try to teach me you know I don't know the usual science and English and maths but for me it was I was exposed to something beyond that I knew that there was something beyond the natural in this world Uh, I didn't even as a young child I didn't understand what that was but I knew that there was something more there and because of that I I had this rebellious streak against authority because again I was I was of a mind. Well, there is another authority out there. I don't know what it is, but it isn't you. And uh, and it was all linked with this spiritual stuff and experiences that I was going through as a child. So that led me then into a lot of bad behaviour at school. I was constantly getting the strap and the cane and things like that. And well, not so much the cane. I think got that once, but the, the, I was getting the strap most of the time. Now this was in Scotland. This is the Scottish education system. Yeah, <laughs> not allowed down south. So, no, that's right. So so you know that's that's kind of the. My, my school years and and you know they had I'd see a psychiatrist etc they couldn't quite figure out why my behavior was so bad um, but again it was because of these um, paranormal visitations that I was getting most nights that was really kind of messing me up as a child you'd never sort them out they just happened to you do they oh no absolutely no i mean cuz you know as a 3 4 year old you wouldn't have any understanding as to what that kind of stuff was it it just started happening to me for no apparent reason hmm. So that kind of messed up my, my early childhood a lot. Um, and eventually, again, with I had lots of encounters, again, with these weird creatures that were appearing to me at night. And I, and I a lot of the stuff, I kind of just put it on the back burner. And, and I remember one year I went down to Wales where my dad's side of the family lived. And I was there for a holiday. And it was probably about three o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and i heard this noise again the same noise that i heard as a child that that kind of electronic chip pan static noise Mm -hmm. and i remembered then thinking ah i heard this before as a child and i hid under the covers so i thought i'm not going to do that this time i'm going to actually sit it out and see what it is and this noise got louder and louder again the windows started rattling and vibrating and, and then this deep resonant bass hum became so strong that i remember at the back of my mind Uh, it it just vibrated the back of my head and then I went unconscious and when I came to, I wasn't in the bed but I was on the bed and my head was forced up against the wall and there was a voice saying to me, you're not permitted to see what's going on here and I could see pulsating colour on the walls and all this kind of stuff and then, and I was trying to cry out to, for help, but I was completely paralysed. You know, I guess for some people we'd call it a night terror or something. I was completely paralysed. Mm-hmm. And then there was this sound of this large explosion and sound of jets rushing past the house, and, and it all ended suddenly. And, and then after that, again, I was getting more and more experiences with, you know, visitations and various things going on in my childhood. So by which time, this, this stuff had really really messed me up. Now I had lots of other weird things happen to me. One of my, a weird memory happened to me in Scotland as a child. I was about, I think I was about five. And we used to go to the park every day after after school. And I went to the park and uh, I went through these bushes. And as I went through these bushes, I heard this clap around my ears. And uh, as I walked into this bush, I was in this place and the trees, the trees, the, the the the, the, um, the width of these trees was probably about 15, 20 foot wide. I've never seen anything like it, and this lovely purple vine that was hung off all these trees and stuff and you know it, when I was a kid in those days used to have Tarzan in black and white on the tv and I was like oh this is Tarzan land and I, I remember swinging on the vine I know exactly what it looked like what it felt like and then I heard my mum distantly calling me so I went out the bush again heard this clap around my ears and she was like where have you been I've been looking for you for half an hour and I was like, I've literally just walked through that bush and she said I've been looking for you for ages so I went home mom, and then the next day I went back to the park again and thought yeah let's go back to Tarzan land. So I went through the bush and was nothing there but a brick wall. Um, hmm. And so the, and, and it's, uh, this was kind of like the, up, the things that happened to me a lot as a child. So my um, childhood was not normal by any stretch
1: of the imagination. And did that just then gradually lead to you embracing witchcraft? Yeah. So I guess the, these experiences was
0: leading me on, I could only describe it as a quest to understand what was the meaning of life why was I here? What What is the point of our existence? I mean, these are questions that you don't normally get. You know, I remember being about nine and going to the library and trying to get books on psychology out because I wanted to understand things about the ununderstandable. So as a child of that age, I was, uh, I was asking questions that probably most adults don't even ask. And it's, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Mm. And so... That kind of by this time now we moved from Scotland and we moved down to Southern England and I went to school and then eventually by probably about this time I was now at senior school and I remember reading some books by an author called David Eddings which was the kind of sword and sorcery type books and and I remember reading them thinking yes you know that I would really I'd really in I could really see myself practicing wizardry or or this kind of witchcrafty stuff because. And in many respects, it kind of answers the question of what I've been looking for, which is there is a spiritual aspect to the world and maybe this is what it is. And so I started getting involved in initially in things like Ouija boards and sort of dabbling into things. And then over a period of time, I got properly into witchcraft and was practicing, you know, and casting spells and and various things like that. So by the time I was a teenager, I I was full on into witchcraft, getting loads of books out in the library, uh, not on like kiddies witchcraft but proper serious witchcraft and so by this time as a child or as a young teenager at school I had a reputation of being very very dark Uh, a lot of people were quite frightened of me just because of the things that I was into and things that I was researching and and that really that really messed me up and opened me up into even more trouble and more freaky visions you know I'd get these open visions where this demon would appear to me and say that, you know, you're going to die and this is how you're going to die, and all these kind of things. Just just like a whole nother level, um, which is what the occult exposed me to.
1: Hmm. When you did, did spells on people, did they work? What, what, can you tell us a bit of that stuff? Uh, there's one I'll, I'll say, and,
0: and I, I feel really ashamed of myself every time that I think about this, um, but there, there was one particular night. Where these guys uh, that I was hanging around at this kind of gang and these guys were constantly causing trouble. And, and so I remember one night that I just something dark came over me. And I remember walking around their car several times and speaking in demonic tongues and didn't really think anything of it. And I, I said to them, you know, something about their car will crash. And then in, in the new year, all those people that had caused me harm were in this car on this particular night and they were going down this country lane and uh, foxes ran out in front of the car. They went to steer out of the way, but then suddenly the, the wheels just locked and the car sp- flipped out into the air and crashed and people got flung out of the car. No one died, but they were all, you know, they all had broken arms and stuff like that. And so that was probably probably one of the most powerful things that I'd seen just from practicing witchcraft, which if I honest to you i don't really like talking about it, but yeah. I, I it's in part you have to say it because a lot of Christians they just don't understand yeah and 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 because the dark side of things is so powerful, it makes me realize and know and understand implicitly that as a Christian, what's on the right side on god 's way is far more. Excelling than anything Satan can do. You know, God is so much more wonderful, so much more powerful than any any of Satan's parlour tricks.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted you, I was so keen to get you on because, um, you know, in my context, Central Africa, loads of witchcraft and, and I tell those stories in the West and I know some people are like, dude, you just lost the plot. But others are like, mm, well, maybe it is just our cultural sort of, Worldview blind spots, and that's what I'd say it is. And so I, I think you know we, we don't want to glorify Satan at all in this podcast, but we but I, I do want to sort of delve into it because it, I want to sort of shatter the illusion that, that I mean there is so much more going on, isn't there, than, than meets the eye? Yeah, I mean it's basically atheism is is that it's
0: that scientific mindset that I came out of the Enlightenment era where we did away with the spirituality side of Christianity and it all became about theology and then it became about knowledge and it all became about science. But the problem with that is you threw the baby out with the bathwater is that there is a supernatural aspect to this world. And so here in the Western part of the world where it is all about atheism and intellectualism and rationalism, I find it ironic that in a postmodern society that people are simply unable to accept the spiritual reality that is all around them all of the time. You yeah. only need to look in Daniel chapter 10 to see the heavenly warfare that's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So things got darker, darker, keep going.
0: Yeah, and so um, that kind of went on for a few years and then it came. It all kind of came to a, a crunch point really uh, where, where everything changed for me, uh, which is really now the story of my testimony of how I became a Christian. And I remember one day going to a local wood to do another witchcraft ritual. And as I was coming back home, just out of the wood, I immediately heard this voice speak to me. <clears throat> and when he spoke to me, it was like, I can't describe it. The Bible says he speaks, his, the voice is like the voice of many rushing waters. It, it was kind of like that. And it was it's beyond describing as well. It was like everything in my spirit and within me resonated to my creator in an instance like, ha. Huh, it's Him. It's, mm. it's my Creator. It's speaking to me. And everything within me resounded like a, like a crystal in tune just to, that, to, the, to the voice, the note of His voice. And in the instant that He spoke to me, I knew that it was Jesus. I knew that He was the Creator of everything, and I knew that He was God. That was my instant theological download wow. from him, him revealing Himself to me. And in that instant, He said to me, Will you please
1: stop what you're doing?
0: Come to know me. You can be forgiven
1: for this. Sorry, you had no theological. You know, you'd never read the Bible, no, no context at all. No, absolutely nothing.
0: No Sunday school upbringing. All my family were all atheists. My grandma, she was into weird stuff, so again, no Christianity there either. Mm-hmm. So, so have a have the Christian God, as I called him back then, knocking on my door like this mm-hmm. was was unusual, yeah. and and so. And I didn't really understand what he was saying. What do you mean I can be forgiven for this? What do you mean come to know you? What do you mean by, you know, stop doing what you're doing? So I just ignored it because I just didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, you must understand that at this time, me having open visions of demons talking to me, etc. was not unusual. So to have God come and speak to me, in one sense, was... Unusual in that it was God for a change, but it wasn't unusual either. Oh, just prior to this as well. I remember whilst I'm talking, there was another experience I had. Now, because I was in a dark place at the, at the time and I was really depressed, my mum and dad had split up, and this is before I, this this voice spoke to me. I remember I was taking, you know, at the time kids were doing things where they were taking aerosol gas in cans, you know, they were squirting it into their clothes and then breathing it in,
1: hmm. and
0: I was I was doing that because I was really depressed, and I, I I remember falling unconscious, and then when I came to uh i had i had this horrendous vision and satan was in my bedroom and so was god and they were arguing about my soul i couldn't quite remember what they were talking about but they were talking about who was going to have ownership of my soul and i couldn't look upon god he was so he was so pure and he was so holy that it it physically pained me. As much as I struggled to actually look upon him, I couldn't couldn't look upon him. It really just hurt my eyes. It was like, you can't look at it. You can't look at him. Mm-hmm. So that I remember that. So so even, even before this moment where God spoke to me personally, things were going on in the background, so to speak, that something was going on that was leading me to this. And so again, after I heard the voice speak to me when I was coming out from that woodland, uh, I thought, well, I don't really understand what he's going on about. So I just ignored it. And then a week later... Uh, I was doing something else again with witchcraft. And again, the voice spoke to me again, same way, saying, please stop what you're doing. Come to know me, you can be forgiven for this. And again, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I ignored it. A week later, I I was again in my house this time doing something with witchcraft. Now this time I was slapped hard across each side of my face. I didn't feel the pain, but the blow of it. And I was like, what is going on? And then he shouted at me saying, please stop what you're doing come to know me, you can be forgiven for this. And I kind of knew that this was my last chance, which Mm. is a bit scary when I think about it. And so I got on my knees and I kind of said sorry, but I didn't really know what I was saying sorry for. So next day I was back to my tricks again. But that following week, now I'd left school by this time and stuff, but but the following week I I saw this girl from school. She just stopped me randomly in the street and she said, hey, Chris, do you want to come to church this Sunday? I mean, why she said that to me is beyond me. It was obviously a a God thing. And I said you know what? I said, your Christian God keeps bothering me. I said, yeah, I'll come along, <laughs> s- s- see what this is all about. And so it was an Anglican church, and uh, which was a really good Anglican church in its day. And I went along and I remember being at the back and 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 you know, it, I didn't really understand what was going on. And I said some prayer saying, I said something along the lines of, dear God, I don't know you yet, but I pray for these people and I pray for that. And the whole church just, it's about 160 people just turned around and looked at me like, who's this guy? Um, and afterwards, I was invited to go to the youth group, uh, which was called a cipher group, and I went to that youth group. and 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 this was the bizarre thing was, I was sat in this room. Now, bear in mind, I was very, very uh, sensitive to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sense in this room this massive force, which I now recognise as the person of the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. I could see all these Christians were linked into this. This force that I could feel in the room, and I was bemused because I could see they were linked into it or him, as I now know, but they weren't aware of it. And I was, I was thinking, but this is peculiar. They're connected into this, this mighty power, but they're not even they're they're not even aware of it. And so I kept going to this group because it was like, what is this? What is going on here? Hmm. And then, and then I realised, you know, I got the gospel message through the youth leaders and things, and then I realised that actually the thing that I'd been looking for all my life was not found in the occult or found in witchcraft, but was
1: found in Jesus. And so that kind of began my life as a Christian then. So was it dramatic in terms of were demons cast out of you? Did you need exorcism yourself?
0: Yeah. So when I came from witchcraft to Christ, I had a lot of problems, which at that time the church didn't really know how to deal with and probably didn't recognise it. Uh, I'd I have these waves of depression. You know, one minute I'd be fine, and then suddenly this dark cloud would just come upon me, um, and I would just just want to take my life or something like that. This isn't like people who might be suffering from bipolar or something. This this is a this is a a demonic kind of depression. It's very it's it's different, and it just just comes on you just like that. Hmm. And so it, it got so bad one night that and this was as a Christian. I was in my room, doing, reading my Bible, and then suddenly th- something switched, and I just thought, that's it, I've had enough of this, I just want to take my life. So I got inside my car, and I drove up to a place called Ports Downhill, uh, which is really high up on the south coast, and it's a good vantage point to look at all the ports in, in Portsmouth and stuff, it's so high. And I found a good place to drive off the edge, this was at night, so I turned the car around, went up to about 60 miles an hour, and aimed straight off the edge of the road. Now. As, as the car was going off, I shut my eyes expecting death and pain and then as my eyes were shut, suddenly this intense white light filled the car. It was so bright that I could see through my closed eyelids the outline of the car wow. and then this this amazing peace came over me and then I blacked out. When I came to the, la- the car had crashed, nosedived onto the floor below and then, la- then landed on its roof. And I, I was completely unhurt, no whiplash, nothing, Not there wasn't a single scratch on me. Wow. And uh, I got out of the car, I was complete. I was really angry because I was like, oh man, I've failed at killing myself. And again, I heard the audible voice of God saying, you're not dying, so I've got work for you to do. Hmm. And uh, I clambered to the top of this hill, and bear in mind, it's quite late at night now, and this white car pulls up, and that sounds really cheesy, with some bearded old guy in it. And he just said to me, would you like a lift home? And I said, yes, please. So when I remember getting in the car and suddenly I kind of came over all weird, he didn't ask me where I lived and everything became really kind of dreamlike. And and I, it was all kind of transient. And the next thing I knew, he'd driven me to my house. I didn't tell him where I lived and he just dropped me off and drove off. And that was the end of that. So, you know, that, I believe that was uh, quite a, a serious angelic <laughs> encounter that night.
1: Yeah. So... Um, w- w- I mean, would you articulate that as a, a spirit of death that was telling you to kill yourself? I mean, I've, I've, I've known other people with demon possession that the spirit says you need to end your life now. Was that it? Yeah, it was, it was that kind of thing, you know, and you could hear these voices saying, just do it. Um, and so after that,
0: I realized I had a, a problem. And at the time, some people in our church were going to a full gospel Businessman's Fellowship International meetings that were being held once a month. Mm-hmm. And it was there... That I went forward for prayer to be to be healed of this. And I went forward to these guys saying, look, I've been trying to commit suicide, etc. And I've had enough of it. And they just prayed over me. They spent about 10, 15 minutes praying over me and it worked. Uh, I it just the depression just left me. It'd gone. And it I, it was almost overnight I became a different personality. There was like this whole new me that I'd never seen before. People were like, Who is this guy? You know, I had a sense of humor, whereas before I never had a sense of humor at all. Um, and it just changed me. And that really helped me then establish me as a Christian and helped me then I could work through a lot of issues. And in time I moved to another another church a little bit, a few years later, and there was more of a charismatic church and they, they had a bit of deliverance ministry and they spent some time sort of giving me some counselling and delivered me of some stuff. And, and that really helped me a lot. And uh, and then, you know, through through, lots of good Christians being very patient with me. Um, they took me from pretty much a mental wreck uh, and turned me into, uh, into a reasonably sane young man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we'll come to it shortly uh, in terms of your, your prophetic gifting. Uh, but what I liked when I listened to your prophetic word was that you're just a very normal bloke. There are lots of real wackos in that scene, aren't there? And, uh, yeah. and you just came across very measured uh, and normal. Hey, folks, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm loving the response we're getting from across the world. It's it's just wonderful to see how encouraging and inspiring it is being and hitting the spot. Listen, if you are being blessed by it, I'd love it. Basically, this happens under the auspices of our ministry, Great Lakes Outreach, which works in the poorest and the hungriest country in the world, which is Burundi. We're having an incredible impact in the toughest of circumstances. We want to carry on supporting those local folks doing a great job. So if you wanted to greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired you could make a donation there i'd so appreciate it also it's word of mouth isn't it so gossip this these podcasts to other people get them to subscribe give us a great review absolutely wonderful so grateful to you so that's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired if you want to do a monthly a couple of quid a month or or a one-off donation we'd be incredibly grateful all right now let's get back to the podcast Now, um, we're purposefully releasing this just before Halloween, and I I want to do this now because I think as as followers of Jesus, we've got different takes on this and you having really definitely experienced the the dark side. uh, I'd be interested in your opinion on that and Harry Potter, go for it.
0: Okay. So the thing is with, like, as I said before, part of the things that led me into witchcraft were actually the kind of sword and sorcery type novels, because they're very attractive in that it's darkness and light and there's power. And so a lot of people are attracted to that um, because it gives them a sense of meaning, gives them a sense of purpose, and it's something that they can do, uh, and it's tangible, and it gets real results. So, you know, who wouldn't want to do it? That was kind of my mindset when I was younger. And so these Harry Potter books and things that we've had in all the films, I have to say, and i will probably upset some people that that have done this, but I was very surprised at how many Christians justified allowing their children to see that stuff in the name of entertainment um, and using scriptures to try and justify why they can watch it. And it was like, and I would say to them, I said, I was a witch. I, I was not demonstrative. You know, they asked my opinion. I said, I, I used to be a witch. And it was these kind of books that got me into witchcraft. It was those kind of films that, that led me down that path. Um, because it it is, you know, the Bible says whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is true, to dwell on these things and to dwell on things of the occult and spiritual things like that, it's it's, it's a dangerous road to go down. I remember at the time when the first Harry Potter uh, movie came out that I deliberately went onto some witchcraft websites to see what they were saying about the movie Mm -hmm. and they all said the same thing. They said these films are a great advertisement for people to subscribe to witchcraft in these days. And mm-hmm. that's coming. From, that's coming from the witchcraft camp. And that, to me, just said it all. It's like if they think this is a great, a great movie to campaign for their cause.
1: Um, you know, if Christians can't see that, then wow. Well. Yeah. So, how you will you as a pastor be celebrating Halloween or not? Um,
0: we do things like light parties for our youth, where it's just because Christians are called to be not culturally relevant but countercultural. So mm-hmm. it, it's important that we. We are uh, countercultural to some of the feasts and pagan festivals that go on in our days. So, for example, when I gave my testimony on witchcraft, which kind of became quite famous on YouTube, we did it on on Halloween. We, we basically booked out this village hall in this old village of Titchfield, and it was called An Alternative to Halloween, and it was about from witchcraft to Christ. And We made the pictures and the flyers look really quite, you know, Quite occultic looking, but with crosses and stuff, and it it caused a massive load of people came to listen, mm-hmm. um, and and it. But I was using that very thing to be countercultural and actually talk about Jesus and not about Halloween. And so it's the same with our church. You know, for the youth, they'll be doing like a light party, which is just completely countercultural. So we don't have, you know, we don't kind of celebrate the whole that that kind of aspect of things. We we would rather do something that's countercultural and something that's completely opposite to that. Because
1: we're Christians and we're not, we can't, we can't entertain darkness. So I'm intrigued with the next sort of couple of decades of your ministry because you didn't, like I remember Doreen Irvine. Do you remember her book from Witchcraft to Christ? It was that oh, in yes, the yeah, 80s, yeah. and she was, I think, Britain's top witch, and she was, she could do all sorts of amazingly dark stuff. But I think that became her full-on ministry. That's what she gave her life to, was talking about yeah. it, and yeah. then I think actually went horribly wrong, and she fell away, didn't she? Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to her.
0: Yeah, she just kind of disappeared into obscurity. So,
1: but you—you um, you haven't. It's not the only thing you talk about by any stretch, is it? So, so no. Yeah. If, if anything, actually, I
0: try not to talk about my testimony. Um, because it, it messes people up a little bit. I remember I went to one place and they, they said, oh, can you come and share your testimony? And I probably shared a bit too much of it. I think one person walked out and three people needed to be counselled afterwards. So uh, I tend to be quite reticent to talk about it because most people just can't relate to it. Mm.
1: Um, and, and you've so held that back. You've held back here quite a bit, haven't you? you don't, we haven't gone into details on it. No, pro.
0: no, it's right, yeah. And I don't think it's particularly helpful or necessary, but actually, you know, it's good to see that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior, but it's also good to see where I've come from. But uh, yeah, so I don't really talk about it, it's not really my thing. Um, I do meet people that are involved in witchcraft that have come to, you know, they want to get saved and want to get delivered and stuff, so I've been useful to help people with that, but it's not really a big thing that's part of my ministry really, if I'm honest Hmm. with you.
1: So did you go straight
0: into full-time ministry? No, no, no. So uh, when I got saved, because I don't know, my brain just didn't seem to work <laughs> when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I was a bit bit of an airhead. And so I kind of just got a job and tried to live a normal life. And then I met my wife uh, and got married and we had kids. And it was probably only till about five years of being married was when I first got my first prophetic dream. But in respect to uh, serving in ministry, I've only really been doing that for the last 11 years. Uh, the first of those 11 years was part-time, and then the the last half of those 11 years has been full-time. So, and I'm 50 now, so it gives you an idea of how long it's been before I've come into ministry.
1: So what did you do job-wise in the meantime?
0: So uh, I did all sorts of stuff to start with. I, uh, I, I, what did I do? When I first got married, I was doing boring jobs like data entry. And then I worked at IBM, became a professional server specialist, got IT trained and things. And then I moved to a company called Novatech, again, doing IT work. Then moved into IT sales. And, and I was there for quite some time, doing quite well. And then God said he wants me to be a musician. So I was a musician for then 15 years, did all sorts of stuff, taught at, pro, at grammar schools, uh, was in pit orchestras, did all sorts of stuff. God let me do what I always wanted to do before he asked me to do what he wanted me to do, which was kind of nice of him hmm
1: And those prophetic words, were they already coming to you back then?
0: Yeah, so they started coming sort of, I'd say, five years after getting married when I got my first ever kind of dream from the Lord. But then probably about 2006, was was uh, just before that, actually, I was I used to get pictures about various things and I, I predicted the Gulf War and various things like that. I remember telling the church leaders at the time and it just freaked them out. Um, and, and then eventually went to another church and I stayed there for quite a while. And this is where I was starting to get really quite powerful visions and dreams. So to be fair, I didn't really know how to handle it and the people in the church didn't know what to do with me either. But one of my first ones that really kind of changed everything for me prophetically was... Uh, something that happened to Mount Merapi back in 2006. So I'll explain that. So in 2006, I woke up one morning and I was downstairs having a quiet time with the Lord and I fell into this trance. And in this trance, I saw this this huge volcano and it exploded and this pyroclastic flow came down one particular side. And I remember in his van trying to drive away from it. Then the next scene, I was shown something. And then in another scene, I saw the pyroclastic flow go down into this village and wipe it out. And I thought, oh okay, so I phoned up my church leader and said, look, uh, this I just had this. Can you can you pray about it? And they all just thought I was bonkers, and uh, <laughs> so they they didn't really do anything about it. And so I was carrying this, and I, I I knew it meant something, but I didn't know what it meant. And then I was out with some friends. Um, I think we we were at a pub. I wasn't drinking anything. We were just out somewhere and we were playing snook or something. And then it came up on the big TV on the end of Channel Four News. It had that volcano, and I'm like. That's the volcano in my in my vision, um, and I so then I, I kind of went on the internet to find out about what was going on, and basically, the. There was a there's a village right next to this Mount Merapi, and they wouldn't come out of the village. There were scientists trying to get them to to vacate because they weren't sure if there was going to be an explosion or not, and uh, they wanted the villagers to vacate vacate. But they wouldn't leave unless someone had a vision from God. But the guy that had the visions about the volcano was no longer alive. He was dead, and so they weren't going to move. And I was when I read that, I was I was, I was like, oh this this is weird. So I got in contact with the Indonesian consulate, and then I got through to the United Nations that were down on the ground. I honestly didn't think they were gonna take it seriously.
1: Hmm. And
0: I said, I said to them, look, I know this sounds mad. I said, but this is what I've had. This is the dream I saw. I said, there is going it is gonna go. There will be a pyroclastic It will come down this side of the mountain, and it will take out that village. Um, and if, if you can get those villages to get out, then they need to get out. And they said we'll take your warning seriously two days later they evacuated the villages because obviously they must have said hey someone's had a dream for you guys so they all evacuated but two scientists stayed in the village then two days after that there was a big explosion The pyroclastic flow came down the mountain where i said it would and uh, took out the village and it killed the two scientists that remained there and uh, so that was kind of like my introduction to these visions uh, that God started giving me. I, and this this was on a, on a level I've never seen before. I, I didn't know of anyone around me that could disciple me in this kind of stuff. I, I was mm-hmm. very much on my own. I had, at the time, church leaders that, that believe in prophecy, but... They don't believe in predictive prophecy. It's mm-hmm. like, but that's kind of ironic because the book, because in the book of Acts, Agabus prophesies that there will be a famine, and uh, sure enough, there was. And then you obviously the book of Revelation is a massive apocalyptic. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but I, 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 they just didn't believe in that kind of prophecy. So I was in a church that just didn't believe in that, and I was very much on my own. But it was like, what do I do with this stuff? So that was that was kind of like my introduction to the world of the prophetic, which. Quite frankly, it wasn't a particularly fun one, but there we go. Mm. And But it was a privilege to be used by God in that way. The next one I had was, I mean, I've had lots, but I'm just picking out a few highlights. The next one I had was, uh, I, I was in this, I was just dreaming, and suddenly I was transported into this metal train. I'd never seen a train look like this before. It was all kind of looked like it was made of aluminium. It was a really weird-looking thing. And we were going around this coastland, and as we were going around the coast, I saw this massive tsunami coming straight towards me, And I knew that within seconds I would be dead. This wave hit the train and everything went black. And then I had a few other um, visions that, again, confirmed that something like that was going to happen, like this massive uh, deluge of water. And this was two weeks before the Japanese tsunami. And then obviously the tsunami happened and I saw it was coming in. But one of the things that the Japanese government were trying to do, they were trying to find one one of their trains. And it was advertised, well not advertised, but it was shown on the news saying, this is what the train looks like. Does anybody know where where it is? And it was the exact same train. I'd never seen one like this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was the exact same train. So I immediately got in contact with the Japanese government. And I said, look, I know this sounds crazy. I said, but I had a dream and I know where your train is. I said, I gave all the coastland land by the bridge, etc., And it was going around the coastland at this particular point. And... And left it with them and then two o'clock in the morning because i remember just being up all night watching the tv you know it was so so horrendous and and i suddenly heard like this sound in the front room just and it woke me up instantly and as soon as i woke up uh it was just breaking news that they'd found the train and it was exactly where it was as where i said it would be um so this was kind of like my kind of introduction really into the prophetic Um, which is a little bit wild, a little bit zany. I appreciate And a lot of people will be like, uh, I just, I just don't believe that's true. I'm sorry. Or, or the, or, or, the Christian skeptic will be, are you sure you haven't got a hangover from your witchcraft stuff going on there? Cause that doesn't sound like God. That sounds more like, you know, something of the dark side rather than, rather than God. Um, but it's it was all training basically i believe for what god has been sort of leading us leading us to toward and where we're going and the times that we're about to come into where i do believe that prophetic voices are going to be needed in this nation for the hour in which we're about to come into
1: mm. and you predict do you predict the
0: um, economic crisis as well oh yeah so back in there was another one so back in 2007 i was uh you know <clears throat> trying to get some sleep and this angel appeared to me in my bedroom. Like he didn't appear in light or anything like that. He was just stood by me. So, but I couldn't see him. But he was there, and, and he and he spoke to me audibly, and he said, "On," and he gave me a date. He said, "On this date, something's going to happen. that's going to be really bad for the UK economy." Um, and this was three months before the stock market crash of two thousand and seven. Now, bear in mind, up to this time, for the last probably 10, 15 years prior to that, I'd have been having loads of dreams and visions about the mother of all stock market crashes. 2007 was not it. 2007 was really the blip that will lead to it, which we're coming up to very soon. And so, and I said, so I woke up, this angel spoke to me, and as he said the date and the the dates and the day of when it would happen, his words were kind of written across my eyes you know when you look at a light for too much and you shut your eyes you get that retina burn it mm-hmm. literally retina burned the date onto my eyes so every time i blinked i could see the date um and i again i remember telling the church leaders so i moved to a different church this time not like I jump around a lot but remember we are talking about 20 years it was only like three or four churches in that time mm-hmm. and and so i remember speaking to the church leaders and, and they were like okay well we'll 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 park that. We'll see if it comes to pass. So they had a different take on it. And sure enough, I remember taking the day off and uh, and watching the stock market collapse in, in America. It went it dropped at that time, 777.7 points. Um, and then that led to a, a long recession. Well, a, 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 heavy, a deep recession that we had from 2007 into 2008. Uh, but then God gave me lots of other dreams about the economic collapse that's still to come. So what happened in 2007, as bad as it was, is really a blip compared to what's coming, unfortunately. And so, yeah, so that was another thing that that, that God gave me, quite very predictive and very date predictive as well. And I'd never had that before. I'd never had God give me a specific date before so so i read about you um sort of dying can you can you talk about that (laughs) yeah so in 2000 i don't know what the date was it was uh about two and a half years ago from today which is year 2022 i was um out at a trampoline park with my kids and with no warning no just out of the blue i had a basically a cardiac arrest and i died right there on the floor um, and had these two poor guys in the in this trampoline park pounding away at my heart for twenty minutes, giving me four electric shocks before eventually I came back. So I was clinically dead for twenty minutes. And when I when they took me to hospital, they put me into a coma on the Friday. And uh, and this made national news as well because of the whole thing that I died on a Friday but came back on a Sunday. Oh, well. So they, that they really and they say this is a pastor. Hey, this is a really great play on things here. Oh. And so. So I died on a Friday. They managed to resuscitate me after twenty minutes. They put me into an induced coma because it was I was in such a bad state. And and then throughout those couple of days, the doctors were saying, "Look, all the tests show that he's got severe brain damage. If he does come back, if he if we des- if he even comes out of this coma, he'll probably be spending the rest of his life in a rest home, hmm. you know, because he'll be so mentally disorientated and the amount of downtime that he had and starvation of oxygen to the brain." Uh, and my wife, my father-in-law, uh, my, my father-in-law is a pastor at one of our church congregations, and my wife's obviously a senior pastor alongside with me. And and she was basically, well, she didn't know what to do. She was distraught. My father-in-law said to the doctor, "Yeah, I know that's what you say," he said, "but we believe what God says, and 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 I believe God's got a plan for this guy, and he's and he's going to be okay." The doctor just like, mm. well, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was on my bed, looking at me with all these wires and tubes in me. And she was like, Lord, can you please help me? Because what I'm seeing here is not looking good. And her Bible fell open to Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. Faith is the substance of things hope for, the yeah. evidence of things not yet seen. And also later on down, it says, and women received their their loved ones back from the dead. Yeah. And she immediately knew that that was, that was the scripture. So she just prayed over me. And believed by this time as well, it went out out on a prayer chain. And literally, I don't know how it did, but it went out across the world. There were people all over the place. Um, People didn't even know who we were. They all just picked it up off Facebook and those things and on prayer chains. And they started praying. I had so many Christians praying for me. Mm. And all of these Christians all around the world in the UK and everywhere, they all said the same thing. They all said they knew as soon as they started praying, A, that this was wrong and B, that everything was going to be okay and so and then on the sunday morning whilst everyone was at church uh their phone call came through and and said that you know chris has come out of his coma and he's doing really well um and you know where the doctors thought i was going to have massive uh mental health issues um i came out completely fine wonderful
1: and uh, you definitely have got more work to do, and I'm excited to sort of uh, observe it and uh, well be an active participant in what the law wants to do in this nation and beyond as you talk about it. Now so the, the seasons are shifting is the, the title you gave this prophetic word from a few weeks ago. Yes and yes. as I said, it totally chimed with mine and Lizzie, my wife's spirit as we were listening. Um, we, we're running out of time, sort of, but uh, give us a, a synopsis of what you see as happening right now in the nation.
0: Uh, Basically, the the synopsis is is that on the 23rd of September, um, the seasons will shift. Now, this is a spiritual season. We're going from, you know, like like the natural seasons shift from um, summer (laughs) to autumn. So, as that as that equinox shift comes in because that's when the you know the, the the season shifts it's a spiritual season that will click in at the same time as well and but just to that- say
1: just to say that we are recording this on the 22nd and it'll come out end of next month so that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. go for it and so basically when that
0: season shifts We're going to go. It won't be like overnight instant change, because obviously when seasons shift, it doesn't go immediately from cold to hot or hot to cold. It takes a a process of time. But as we come into this new season, spiritually, it will be a time of great shaking for the world. Um, Economic things are going to really be shaken. Governments are really going to be shaken. We're probably going to see war um, break out into Europe. These are the things that I've seen. And but. On the other side of it, on the Christian side, the church, the church also, unfortunately, is going to be shaken because there's a lot of Egypt in the church. And God's saying, let my people go. So Egypt has to let go of the church. But also God is saying, come out of her, my people, as in get Egypt out of your heart.
1: Mm. And
0: there are a lot of churches which probably have too much Egypt in them. And and when this time of shaking comes, unfortunately, you can see a lot of churches close and 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 sadly collapse at that time because is too, it, their, their systems are too based on the systems of the world and not necessarily systems of the kingdom. So you're going to see a lot of what might seem very negative things for Christendom, but actually this is it's going to be something amazing. God God has showed me many times, it will be the worst of times, but the best of times. Mm -hmm. And out of this seeming ashes of lots of churches being shut down, we're going to see a resurgence of the church just grow. And and you won't see it to start with, because it will be lots of Christians taking responsibility for it themselves by saying, well, we just have to do home church, then we'll just have to do house church. And you'll see house churches just explode across this nation because the main churches have been shut down or gone. And not all of them but, but the majority of them and then slowly but surely those house churches will grow and grow and they will become the new churches of tomorrow um, and i really one of the things that i feel god wants the church to be ready for is don't worry about the world yes there's shaking coming yes it will shake the kingdom unfortunately because although we're of a kingdom that can't be shaken we do have a lot of worldliness in us in mm-hmm. us, and that has to be shaken out of us but when it comes to that it will lead to a much more purified, holier church. And that will be the church that God can finally put his power into. And I believe that's when we're gonna come into uh, a massive end time revival. God gave me this vision a few years back called the golden age of the church. And he showed me this graph with these dates, but the dates were fudged out, so I couldn't see them. But I saw this kind of curved line. It started like a flat line, but slowly but surely it started moving up and up. And then it hit this point on the graph and it just shot straight up. Right to the top of this graph, and at the top of the graph were these written these words written in gold: the golden age of the church, and then that lasted for a period of time, and then it just flatlined again. And it was God saying that this is the last push, this is the last revival before the end of days. This is the the big penultimate thing before you know the return of Christ and stuff that God is going to do in His church. Mm. Now. I get a lot of Christians that take umbrage with that saying, isn't there a great falling away at the end of the age, et cetera, where you're getting this from the Bible about revival? Well, it says in the book of Joel, it says before the great and terrible day of the Lord, i.e. Jesus' return, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, et etcetera." Et Yes, there will be a great falling away, but it's not that it's not one or the other. You can both have two at the same time. Mm. You only need to look at the world right now. Here in the West, the church is literally just falling apart at the seams and apostatizing. But the church in the East is in revival. Mm. So it's, it's not one or the other. You can have both at the same time. And I do believe that we're gonna, God's going to give a, a wonderful final push to, to his church in these last days
1: yeah. Well listen, um you I'm saying this Chris. That, um I some people will be listening to this and will think Simon why have you got this guy on? Uh you've lost the plot as well as him. Listen guys, <laughs> let me just, let me just quote uh scripture for all of us which is uh, was it 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 uh 18 19 I think. Uh, it says do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. So that's what we want to do, isn't it? That's what you want to do, Chris. That's what I want to do. Absolutely. Um, we, we, we'll, we'll test that. And um, with predictive stuff, you've got a great track record, and and we'll see. And th- the bottom line is that when I listen to that Seasons are Shifting prof- prophetic word, it, it, my my what stirred in me was a desire to live more passionately, to live with a greater sense of urgency, to prioritize the right things. So, you know, all the good fruit of the spirit that you'd expect out of a prophetic word, it's, and, and, to, and to reject fear. Again, that's one of the things I've been putting out recently to people. Don't be afraid. Our birthright as followers of Jesus lived by faith, not fear. And yet the church, particularly through COVID seasons, was shackled by fear. And that is not the spirit of christ and so you know we are not those yeah. who shrink back and are destroyed but we're those who believe and are saved you you're quoting uh, hebrews 11 that's the last verse in hebrews 11 we are not those who shrink back and destroy but we are those who believe and are saved so front foot living on the front foot not on the back foot uh listen i'm, I'm getting preaching now but uh, chris before we stop is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't covered no i would like to say that although this this uh,
0: a lot of the things you've probably people have heard today you're listening to something which is quite condensed and has taken me a lifetime yeah. to live through so for the average listeners listening to it in one hour what i've experienced over my whole life may just be too much for some people but and and is like does this what is this guy does does he even believe in the Bible? Uh, and I just like to say that you know I I love the Bible I'm passionate about the Bible I've been to Bible college I study it. I've written uh, books um, you know on theology and various things I I I am very well acquainted with good doctrine and as as a church leader I want you know I don't want charismania. I mm. want there to be uh, I want there to be order and sensibility and things and 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 respect in God's house so I'm not one of these kind of not the... I'm not putting, pointing fingers, I'm not a crazy, crazy charismatic, I'm actually quite conservative in my Christian experience and, and how I work that out. So, you know, I'm actually quite, for the most part, quite down to earth, but because of my experiences, I, you know, I just see the world in a very different way. Where I've come from witchcraft to Christ, I knew therefore that whatever Christianity had must far excel and far exceed mm. my experiences spiritually of the dark side. And so... My, my experience of Christianity is an intensely theological and intensely spiritual one, it's, um, it's a sacramental kind of living, it's, it's, and that means everything, God is in everything. It's, it's, it's not just about, oh, I do a secular job or I do a spiritual job, it's like everything is sacramental. Um, everything, a whole life is about living for Christ and seeing Christ, you know, and, and experiencing Christ in so many things. Amen. Well, uh, can people be in touch with you,
1: where do you want to point them towards?
0: So, um, if they want to listen to kind of uh, Bible teachings and some of the prophecies, I I host a a podcast station called Storehouse 7 Ministries. That's Storehouse, then the number 7, then Ministries. That's a YouTube channel, and it's also a podcasting channel on all the podcasting platforms. So you can listen to a lot of the the content there as well. Um, And Living Word Church Network is a small bunch of churches down on the south coast, We've got one in Titchfield, one in Purbrook, Fairham, um and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, so we're, we're in this area. So and if people want to contact me, they can email me at chris at lwcn.uk. That's it, chris at lwcn.uk if they want to ask me any kind of questions. Thanks, Chris.
1: Wow. hopefully uh,
0: I won't get thousands of emails I hope <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: not a victim of your own success There. No. listen everybody I hope you've been inspired I've certainly had my mind blown afresh and, and challenged and I think that's healthy and helpful um, and I'd love you to share this podcast with the right people, people that uh, need likewise stirring and challenging and perhaps shaping in, in how they view reality I think it's a massive blind spot in the western Christian world View. not that it's that sort of uh, it's just one of those but uh, give us great review please uh gossip the podcast to other people if you want to be in touch with me simongilbo.com or the other social media platforms we'll be back again next week with another fantastic guest i want to thank adam thomas steer for the editing and mike Sandyman for the mixing in the meantime you guys take care god bless you loads and toodaloo